Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Hey everybody, if you're a longtime listener to the show, then you've probably heard us talk about Go Wild. And if you're new to the show, then you're about to get ready to hear us talk about Go Wild. Go Wild is a free social community uh, built by hunters and anglers for hunters and anglers. And uh, really, it's it's a place where you can post things, grip and grins, uh, photos of outdoor adventures and things of that nature without worrying about a community that's going to shun you or censor what it is you're posting. In fact, Go Wild will actually encourage that you post those things. And uh, they give you points for doing that. In addition to that, you also get points for sharing those trophies, gear reviews, and by inviting others. So I invite you to come try Go Wild out. Um, and by the way, as you earn those points, you're going to unlock some rewards. Those rewards are going to get you things like gift cards, free swag, gear, knives, discounts on some pretty great brands like Garmin and Vortex, and plenty more, more than I'm going to list on a small uh, ad read here at the beginning of our show. But if you create a free account today, you will unlock $10 for just simply trying it out. So please go ahead and visit downloadgowild.com and you can get started right away. Oh, and don't forget to follow OKS Hunter, Eric Clark, Greg Tubbs, and Derek Melkor because we are all there too. Thanks so much, guys. This is the OKS Hunter podcast. Never pass on shooter bucks if that's just me in the freezer. It's your tag. You hunt how you want. This is OKS Hunter. What up, everybody? Welcome to the OKS Hunter Podcast. Coming at you from the OKS Hunter Podcast Studio, brought to you by Spartan Forge. Head on SpartanForge.ai. And be sure to use code OHP if you want to save 25% off. I don't know which group it was on Facebook, but someone asked, hey, don't you, don't you OKS Hunter guys use Spartan Forge? Can you talk about it? So we were in a group talking about, I think it was the Hunt in Common Facebook group. I don't know if you saw that or not. No. And they were asking, like, oh, how does it compare to OnX? And I was like, oh, boy. Let me tell you how it compares to OnX. That UAV feature is ridiculous. The tools that they have in there, the imagery of like even just the app icons or like that. What are they called? But like it's not icons, mm-hmm. like the pin icons. Yeah. There's just more flavor to it. It's a pretty cool app. I'm pretty happy to, to have access to it. That's for sure. The I was looking at my house on it and you can scroll through the different years Yeah, on the UAV feature. And I think I went as far back as like the early 2000s, but it was as recent as like a couple weeks ago. And I could literally see like the, the dumpster in our driveway and the bagster a couple of years ago. I was like, oh, this must be the time of year I clean my garage out <laughs> like clockwork. So anyway, if you want to see weird stuff like that or like cut crops or when like cut lines are happening or whatever, uh, the changing of the seasons, the topography or the foliage, you're going to see all that stuff on there. I know a lot of guys and gals share deer in the field yeah or airplanes hidden in the trees <laughs> really i didn't see that yet yeah that was a post damn i missed that one anyway it's kind of like a treasure hunt 
They should do a tre- I should talk to Bill. He should do a treasure hunt. If you can find this on the map, you you'll win. But sometimes it's fun, kind of fun to just go explore on there, mm-hmm. uh, which you know everyone does on a mapping application when they nerd out. We have new sponsorships that we're announcing next week because next week will be the first week of June. Uh, I know this is the first week, but it's not June yet. So um, stay tuned for that. Shout out to Drop Time Spirits. I love drinking their their twelve point bourbon at the big Drop Time twelve point buck on the cover. Tastes delicious, and uh, I guess that's what I got for that. Foam Fest is still on deck. I know uh, we're not going to speak publicly about what we're trying to navigate now, but um, no matter what, we should be Cross good. That bridge when we. That's get right. There. That's right. In a couple of weeks, we will see. Don't borrow trouble how, yet. How hard our lives will get, or how easy they'll stay. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Right. And if you're just joining us uh, as a first-time listener, I'm Eric. Who are you, Greg? You know. I'm here. Right. And Derek's usually with us. He's just not here today. I don't know he's what he's doing. He's here with but... us in spirit. Yeah, of course he is. I don't know what he's doing. I wonder what he's doing. Stuff with the fam. It's yeah. summer, man. That's true. It was a long weekend. Hopefully, I'm going to have a good Memorial Day weekend and took some time to just kind of chill and hang out and mm-hmm. relax and appreciate the freedoms that we have in this freaking country that we live in. It's pretty great. Uh, we do have a guest with us, so I'll go ahead and bring him on and uh, bear with me as I totally botch your last name. On the line or on the live show with us, we have AJ Kazmerzak. Kazmerzak. That's right. Yes. Hey, yeah, it's just like Smith. It's just like Smith, Black, all of those, you know, just a couple extra letters. Yeah, except completely not. Welcome. <laughs> to the How's, uh, how was your long weekend, man? What, are you, what did you get into? Uh, it was good. It was good. So I, uh, I've got a day job, but I also co-own a coffee company. And so we were open uh, Saturday, Sunday there. Um, you know, it's graduation season. So I had a cousin that actually graduated. We had her grad party. Um, and then we, uh, we were able to get some pool time in on Memorial Day, which was nice. Uh, I was starting to look uh, transparent, almost ghost-like. And so getting some uh, tan there and uh, had some good drinks, spent some time with the family. And now back to the usual uh, chaos that is prepping for deer season and total archery season and reminiscing on turkey season and all of that good stuff yeah when did you when did you win a truck by the way (laughs) so that's kind of that's kind of the uh we can call that the the tipping point of what culminated into everything so um i don't know how but somehow there's still some people that don't know about total archery challenge but i personally think it's one of the greatest single gatherings of archers across the country so with total archery challenge they go all over the country and they have uh novelty shots and one of the novelty shots is a 111 yard foam caribou now if you hit that what's called i i believe in uh target archery it's called inside out right so you're not touching the line but if you hit a bullseye 12 ring no line touching you um, which is about the size of a dip can, you get entered to win this truck. And I mean, this thing is rigged to the gills. Uh, Leitner designs rack on the back. There's a, a hardtop tent. There's a retractable bed cover. Um, the only FDA food grade approved tailgate cover, which is still a, a crazy thing from Mountain Hatch Outdoors. Um, but that's the quote unquote skill part. Then they take everyone's name. This They always do it differently, but my year, they took everyone's name that ended up hitting that, wrote it down on a piece of paper, 
stuck that to a target and backed their guy up to 100 yards and said, okay, go ahead and shoot. And who's ever named that arrow pierced, that's who ended up winning it. What? Wow. I mean, it's crazy. And then even more insane is, excuse me, one of my best friends actually paid for my tip paid for my shot because I wasn't going to shoot at it. Dude, you're going to get struck by lightning someday. (laughs) Listen, I've had some good fortune since then. So, I mean, if something like that were to happen, I guess I'll just take it in stride. Yeah. Except it'll turn you into like a superhuman or something like that, which that's freaking cool, man. So tell us about uh, what you have going on. You're also known as the the coffee Viking. Uh, (laughs) So tell us a little bit about you and what you have going on. And I don't know, Greg, were you going to say something before I interrupt you? Nope. You're good. All right. All right. He's going to slap me. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the short bio of it, I tend to get long winded. So cut me off whenever, but the short bio is uh, born and raised Ohio. Um, In college, I actually started a coffee company with my business partner, now business partner, now friend, uh, Daniel Jennings. And that's now that's called Jennings Java. So it's based here in Columbus, Ohio, uh, but we ship all over the place. We've shipped to undisclosed military bases, to Florida, to California, you know, you name it. Um, But that was obviously the coffee aspect. Always had an enjoyment and a love for coffee. And that just kind of uh, turned into a career with that. Um, you know, my day job, the pay the bills jobs, uh, something else that I am passionate about is the craft beer industry. And so I actually work sales for Noctera Brewing Company. Um, you know, the Viking aspect of the coffee Viking and, you know, the uh, almost alter ego, if you will, uh, came about just because I love uh, Norse mythology. Um, obviously, the long blonde hair, the blonde beard. Um, very interested in all of those workings as well. Um, and so a while back, I changed my Instagram to that and it quickly became apparent. That's actually kind of how people started to recognize me. And now it's just its own thing. And so I'm just running with it, um, you know, and uh, yeah, that's that's the basis of me. Uh, the hunting aspect, I started hunting when I was 15, 16 I was a city kid, came down to high school in the country. My cousin took me under his wing, thank God, and uh, took me out, took me hunting, and was bit from the start. And I I personally just bow hunt. Nothing against gun hunters. I just personally choose to only bow hunt. Um, some people told me I was crazy when I went and bow hunted uh, turkeys for the first time. They were like, you need to take a gun, but... Um, had some good friends up in Michigan that helped me out through that. And yeah, now I'm here able to actually talk with you guys, which I'm super, super stoked on, but that's kind of the short rundown of, of me. I like it, man. And you do. Yeah. You got the Viking beard going on for sure. Set. What's that show? That's like, it's like a Viking show. And uh, is it on like Showtime or HBO or one of the channels I can't afford to, to pay for? I forget what it's called. Well, so there's a couple of them. I mean, uh, it's called something you've already said. No, it's something I've already said. No, Eric has already said. I don't think so. There's a show called Vikings. Well, yeah, that's the biggest one. I mean, (laughs) there is also one called The Last Kingdom, which is pretty awesome. 
Okay, I think the Vi- the Vikings is probably the one thing. The, the dude has like ones. super blue eyes. He's it's been yeah. around for a little while. And... Oh yeah, that's Vikings for sure. Yeah, yeah. I only saw the very beginning where he like you know built his own boat and then like started you know pillaging on his own and then overthrew some stuff and became a badass. And then I didn't really watch much after that, but. It yeah, looks- it's definitely. I feel like those kind of shows are definitely. You, you know, you got to binge them. You got to sit down if if you have the time and watch three, four, five episodes in a row to kind of get everything started. So you got to be even to win. Te- and not to say this is the, the total talk track here, but to win tech or to win the way that prize that you won at the Total Archery Challenge. Obviously, a, bl- a blind squirrel can find a nut, but I'm not winning that prize. I'm not hitting that. That you know. Uh, that small of a target at 111 yards or whatever it is. Are you pretty good with Def, a bow? Definitely like, not when you only break the bow out come September. I got to live true to my name over here as the okay. <laughs> yeah, there's we a all fine place line you got to tread there though too. <laughs> no, to, yeah, to your point, I'm I'm super humble, super humble about everything dealing with that. You know blessed that my buddy paid for it uh you know i like to shoot i go out i'm fortunate that uh the local range is actually only about 20 25 minutes from my house um they intermixed a disc golf and archery range which hasn't gotten hairy yet but one of the disc golf holes is up a hillside and it just so happens to be in or in line with a 47 yard bison shot and so if you actually walk back up to the top of the hill and shoot at the bison it's like 107 yards okay and so you know i was able to get practice that way and i the the long range shots are just super interesting to me being able to shoot put your bow down and still see the arrow flight it's something that kind of gets me excited from that standpoint and uh yeah that's that's kind of how that whole thing happened um i shot course as well we actually came off the prime course which is the 80 to 120 yard course my buddy said i was shooting well we were over at the novelty shots just chit chatting with everybody once again great event um and then all at once my buddy came over and he says Hey, you know, you got to go shoot this. I shot it once you go shoot it. You've been shooting well all day. And, uh, and I was like, no, no, I'm going to stay on this novelty shot, which was $5. The truck shot is 15. Um, and then he came back over once more and he says, well, too late. You have to go shoot it. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, I already paid for your ticket. So he paid the 15 bucks for my ticket. I go up. There was a couple of guys, I don't know who they were, but they gave a huge piece of advice and they go, hey, uphill 111 yards, the wind is actually kicking a little bit. Aim pocket of the, of the, uh, oh, kind of where the heart would be, but then aim six inches to the right and the wind will carry it over. So that, I still remember that little piece made all the difference. Otherwise I would have shot back and would have been nowhere near it. Interesting. I know last year, uh, Greg and I seem to come together and do a couple shoots in the summer, whether it's an HHA USA event or uh, now Anthony Heller with Deervane puts on a shoot. Neither of which we'll be making this year. Oh, I don't know about you. I, I think I'm going to go to Anthony's. Uh, you should have registered already. Oh, there's room. 
They'll take us. Cash on site, <laughs> cash on hand. Okay. <laughs> News but, to me, he messaged me and asked if we were going. I'm like, I don't know. I, yeah, said a word. I told him, I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Um, but nonetheless, we did it last year, and Greg had his famous poke and hope shot where it was hotter than hell. His glasses are fogged up. It's an uphill shot, one of the more tumultuous ones I think that was there, and that was a pretty steep angle. I think you just and decided to give her, and thick in there. that was the only one I think you really missed, and you I, did find the arrow. Oh yeah, I glanced it right off the top of the air, the the target, and it it went piling through some brush and ripped a few veins off, but I found it. Yeah, and I I'd be afraid of shooting shots that long, like the HHA one, right? You know, whiffed on that whatever that was, an that elk moose. or moose, something large, and. You know, it, it it stuck in a tree, so we found my arrow, but I couldn't. I, I don't know if we got it out or not. Uh, we got the arrow out, but the field point. Oh uh, yeah, we had to retool up at the, on the end there. But uh, yeah, I I would be afraid to lose arrows in the sense of I just have to afford more, and they're not cheap, and I'd be. Oh very yeah, no, that's the. I mean, that's the hardest thing. I see some of these guys coming to Total Archery Challenge with you know two two and a half dozen arrows, and I'm like, did you take out a second mortgage for that? um but no the total archery guys i'm fortunate enough to have connected with some of the guys that set the courses up man they're turds and i'll go on record and i'll say they're turds they intentionally put stuff to where if you miss it's costing you arrows (laughs) you small miss small i guess huh yeah Mm -hmm. he's so your, your your kind of approach as far as i understand it to to hunting aligns with our our brand and ethos a little bit in the sense that i think you somewhere along the way had mentioned like you just take this i'm a sponge mentality and you're, you're always learning um yeah um i mean i didn't mean to cut you off no yeah i was just wondering like you know what what are some of the biggest learnings you've had that have made an impact on your hunting success and you know talk about that mentality a little bit because yeah well, yeah I I mean, most people seem to have that approach because if you think if you learned it all then you should probably give up but some people are pretty uh i think my wife she's a teacher that the terminology is fixed mindset versus growth mindset either you're fixed in your ways and it is what it is and that's that or you're open to learning some new stuff along the way well fixed in the way sounds like my grandfather but that's neither here nor there um no the the whole my whole idea behind be a sponge and the sponge mentality is sponges absorb everything right and so, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough and I, you know, take measures to where I'm listening to all these different podcasts. You know, I'm going to like uh, uh, coming up is the Mobile Hunter Road Show, you know, chatting and, and analyzing what the uh, Seek One guys are doing, paying attention to what, uh, you know, the Lone Wolf guys are doing and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. And even if I'm never plan on hunting the suburbs, I still want to watch their stuff because I feel like there's something to learn from what they're doing. Um, even if I never plan on quote unquote growing deer or putting food plots in, I still want to watch those companies and those, those individuals that are doing that stuff because, you know, if they're putting out um, clover, in this area and they're putting out corn in this area and they're talking about the deer patterns that they're seeing, I know that's going to help me because of the fact that one of my properties has, uh, you know, maybe it has beans on one side, corn on the other side, and I can kind of, it helps predict 
the pattern and the movements and things like that. You know, I I'm fortunate enough to be friends with people who are, uh, you know, sit could out all the way to sunglasses covers. And I'm fortunate enough to be friends with people who still hunt in their grandfather's flannels and everything in between. And the, the fact of the matter is if you're killing big deer consistently, you're doing something right. And we should be looking at those individuals and picking apart what they're doing to hopefully gain some knowledge to help better us and better myself as a hunter moving forward. And so, you know, the whole be a sponge mentality is, you know, there's always something to learn from someone that is consistently killing big deer. Now I also get the, the, um, the other side of it of, you know, don't take advice from people that aren't, doing what you want to be doing. And I get that aspect as well. Sure. I think there's been a, I mean, at what point, Greg, did you start kind of flipping that switch? I haven't flipped the switch yet. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, mentally you did though. At one point you decided to go deeper and further and start to think about things differently and start connecting dots. I mean, I don't like when you got back into hunting after all the four wheeling fades and stuff. Yeah. The thought was always there because I had an uncle that was pretty hardcore into it. Like when we would go to the North woods and deer hunt, it was always in the deepest and nastiest crap where we were away from people. Mm -hmm. So that mentality was never, never not there, I guess from a teenager on, but I also, you know, life got in the way. So I didn't follow through with a lot of it. So here we are. I don't know. I'm trying to think about like catch up. Yeah. Somewhere along the way for me, it was it was seeing these other folks that were consistently putting down bigger deer. And I'm like, oh, well, how, how? Like, I just assumed, like, if I hunted long enough, at some point, one of those things would just cross my path. You know, and, and that would be the one chance I had. And I'd be like, cool, well, then I have my big buck. Like, great. I didn't, at some point when I was younger, I didn't consider that you could, like, go do that. I thought it was more of, like, the luck of the draw. I didn't think there was that much in my control. Um, I think the one ingredient is mostly time in the woods and the compounding effect of knowledge that you gain from having that many encounters by putting that much time in the woods. That's what I think. But then there's all these other things, right? Like using water to separate yourself, really understanding the wind and so forth. And then you look at some of these folks and it's a chess match at some point and you can get really good at the game. And some folks have. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel like, um, you know, with everything that you said, like, like I said, I, I started at 15, 16. It wasn't really, uh, you know, I'm 27 now. It wasn't really until about 2021 where I realized looking at some of these other hunters, holy smokes, I'm behind the ball. Like some of these kids were born and bred in hunting And they've got, you know, an extra, even though they were kids, they've got an extra 10, 15 years knowledge built up. And, you know, I was, I, I had the same mentality for a long time, uh, which was, you know, well, there's uh, corn on this side or like in Ohio, you can, you know, it's legal to uh, put corn out, you know? So, well, if I sit over this corn pile long enough, something might walk by here, you know? And so, it's shifting that mentality and realizing, you know, there is actually an art to 
hunting and tracking down bigger deer consistently. And so I just do everything I can to try to, you know, learn from others and learn from those that are doing that. So what have, what have been some of your biggest takeaways? Like what, what are some of the biggest things you've learned from some of these other guys and gals that are, that are quote unquote getting it done that way? Oh man. Um, (laughs) one of the, one of the biggest things, and you know, this is no offense to anybody if anybody's still doing this, but I absolutely was the guy that was one packing in the kitchen sink and the fridge and the snacks and the drinks and the extra layers and all of that stuff. And then I got hooked up with, um, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys know or have had on uh, Jake Lishin, um, you know, Jake Lishin, uh, Jake Bush, Cody DeQuisto, some of those guys. And I'm seeing that they're carrying in like a, almost like a fanny pack style thing. And I'm realizing, oh my goodness, a lot of the stuff that I'm carrying in is completely unnecessary. Um, I was fortunate enough to hunt Alabama with Jake and we kind of picked apart my current setup. Fellas, I had unused brand new game bags, like, like out West game bags in my backpack because it was one of the, I was one of those, well, you just never know kind of guys. So the, less is more mentality that's been a huge takeaway and then also the uh the wind aspect i was i was that guy that was dousing in scent blocker scent eliminator using a doe or using a uh, doe estrus doe urine drag as i'm walking in to cover my boots and doing everything possible to smell like something else and then realizing you know yeah, you can still do some of that stuff, but the wind is the wind and the thermals are 90% of it. And I'm still to this day reading up and listening to any podcast covering thermals and wind just to try to give me an extra leg up on uh, what I'm chasing. I think that was the biggest one for me when I started to have the aha moment around the wind, which seems like, wow, that should be pretty simple, right? The wind's doing this and that's that. But then you got to consider your access routes and exit routes. And then, you know, where, if you have good ideas because you've done scouting and research, like Greg puts in a shit ton of time in the offseason. He's in the woods all the time. Um, the amount of pictures I get from him on a regular basis of, like, showing me deer fur in a bed and stuff like that. Like, he knows um, with, you know, uh, to a good degree of, like, a reasonable doubt that the, the deer are betting here. If you if you know that information and where they're feeding, and if they're if it's a morning hunt, they're going to be coming back for feeding two bedding. If it's a, an evening hunt, it's vice versa. Things like that. Um, the wind is going to help you a whole bunch once you understand how that stuff all works together. And obviously, a deer is going to do what a deer is going to do. They're going to do deer things, and maybe they're not going to like you know follow your assumption at all. But by and large, they're going to use that. The wind can screw you if you're not playing it right. And you've got to plan for the most common scenario based on those factors, I think. I'm waiting for Greg to chime in here because I'm not the fucking guy in the wood. <laughs> You're doing a good job. I don't need to really say much. You're kind of covering it all right now. I'm not covering my scent good, am I? Well, <laughs> no, I you're, no, you're exactly right. One of the biggest things for me, too, and Greg, feel, feel free to chime in with this, but one of the properties, one of honestly, my main property that I hunt um, has a huge tree line backed up to a creek bed and I never it never clicked for me until just this past year that a lot of times even if it's an unfavorable wind 
my thermals still get swept down into that creek bed and get carried on down the river. And it's it was amazing. a lot. It's do amazing what? what water will do. Um, just the amount of pull that it has to even suck your scent towards it. Yeah. I, it w- let's put it this way. On the, the Ohio buck that I shot this year, I was sitting along that bed and along that tree line. Wasn't wasn't a bad wind, but it wasn't a great wind either. It was kind of one of those questionables. Well, if he walks here, I might be in trouble kind of winds. Um, but I got, I think I counted it out. I think uh, 70 yards from the bed that I was trying to get to. And sure enough, I, I don't know if, I assume the thermals just got swept down the river because he didn't really realize anything was going on. And uh, was able to connect and uh, all's well, it ends well. But yeah, the thermal aspect and the the water pull, like what you were saying, was crazy to me when I first learned it. Yeah, it's interesting though, how much it can do to like help you. So the hunt that we've talked about a couple of times in here where I called you and Derek and you guys are on your way to Illinois. And I was like, there's bucks everywhere. And it was crazy. Well, right before I had seen those bucks, the doe had come through or a, I, I think a buck should have come through. So it could have worked out great if she was hot. Maybe a buck could have followed her like directly. She was, I don't know, 15 yards from me. And I had yet to go into the little blind that I made. So I was just kind of exposed. And uh, she saw me and she had to do the bob and weave, bob and weave. But the wind was in my favor 110%. So I didn't move. She never spooked. She never blew. She never stomped. Nothing. She just was like, looks like something's there. But she never, I never moved. So she never confirmed it. And my scent wasn't in her direction whatsoever. It was a predominant wind completely opposite direction away from her. And I was good, you know, and that gave me a lot of confidence. Oh, good. If a buck comes and I am concealed, I get my ass where I'm supposed to be here in the next, you know, two seconds, I should be golden. And the bucks just, they they were a little further away and they came through like faster than I expected going faster than I thought and whatever. Uh, But just, it, it gave me a lot of confidence in that wind direction, if played correctly, can be really in your favor. And then you talk about, like, that was a ground hunt because I, I didn't know where to put up in a tree. But then you get up in a tree, and, and that does different things. So dropping the milkweed is a, is a really great way to, like, I'll drop milkweed every 15 minutes just because I, I have enough of it, and I, I really want to see what's going on. I need to keep reaffirming my brain, like, this is what's happening, this is what's happening. And as the temperature changes and the sun starts to set and it's starting to get dimmer, like, the thermos start doing weird things and you're like, Oh, look at that. Now it's dropping this way. Mm-hmm. And that real time Intel is going to be better than any app you're going to have on your phone. And that, that app is going to give you that forecast of where you ought to be sitting, but then you got to test with boots on the ground because of things like Creek bottoms and Hill country and all that other jazz that, that guys that know what they're doing, talk about well, that I understand it kind of, um, but I'm still learning like a yeah. sponge. Now, now here's my, here's my question to you. What do you think? Do you think they work equally or do you think one is better than the other between milkweed and the, the pre-made branded like uh, chalk powder? I'm a big fan of the milkweed because I can see that. Carry, going, you can see where yeah, it carries a long way. Carry, you can see it rise up and rise down with the thermal changes and the switches in wind direction. The powder is yeah. for about three feet and, and it's gone. How many yeah. times have you seen the milkweed drop and you're like, shit. Yep. It should be doing that. <laughs> and you're like, no, you know, that's, that's happened to me a lot, by the way. I'll yeah. And, and, uh, milk, milkweed definitely seems to be kind of the favorite. I'm just always interested in asking people that because there's some people, um, brand affiliated, not brand affiliated that are like, you, you gotta get the powder. You gotta use the, the 
white, whatever, the hunter specialty, the, you know, whoever. And, but then I talk with you guys, I talk with my other buddies and they're like, dude, if you just take a little seed of milkweed and just toss that up, you can see it for like 30, 40 yards as it's flying. And it's easy to see my kids love collecting it for me. Yeah. I mean, listen, I don't have that luxury yet. (laughs) (laughs) We have, we have a good abundance of it too. Like I, all my favorite places to go deer hunt, fortunately have a pretty good population of milkweed plants. So it's readily available when I need it. Yeah. My dad showed me that a long, long time ago. And you know, then people, you know, show it like they invented it or who cares, whatever it's, it's, you know, at some point you come into a learning curve or a learning stream and you're like, at some point I didn't know that that was a thing. And then I did, you know, so there's someone out there right now that might be listening that, that says, Oh, we, I didn't think of that. So as many people that do know, it's certainly not, we're, we're not trying to patronize anybody, but, uh, Milkweed is no secret around here. No, no, to, to most, but there's, there's going to be the folks coming in that they don't even know what the hell we're talking about. Uh, be curious to know when people do use milkweed over the other stuff. And that, uh, there's like newer products now that you'd mentioned as a chalk, but then there's like the vapor smoky, Oh, I saw that. that smokes out. I think to Greg's point, you get maybe a couple feet out of it and you don't get the whole picture of it dropping and stuff like that, you know? Well, and you know, like, like what we've been talking about this whole time is, you know, being a sponge and doing what those that consistently kill big deer do every single, I will say this, and I just made this realization. Every single person I know that consistently kills big deer uses milkweed. They don't use the synthetic stuff. They don't use the vapor stuff. They use the real thing. They go out, grab it, dry it, and stash it in a a plastic baggie or something. But yeah, most of the guys I know that are killing 140, 150, 160 and up every single year, they're using milkweed. So I feel like that in itself, there's got to be something to it. It probably just get a little bit more mileage out of it, you know, to, to that point. It's not like, oh, if you use milkweed, you're going to kill big bucks. But that's what the uh, that's what the products do and across anything. Right. If you use this product, you will kill big bucks. If you use this product, you will. I was using you know, all sorts of new fandangled things like you were talking about, like the the tow rope with the dough esters. I mean, I was using the wafers. I was spraying my boat, my boots with dough piss. You know, I, was, yeah, I didn't know. I thought that's what people did. I thought, oh, man, I'm pretty smart. I'm spraying my boots with dough piss. And. I, I actually to this day, like I just at this point, that's probably not a great idea, right? Uh, my my uh, my cousin who got me into hunting, his good buddy Cody, had the worst possible thing happen to him, and he sprayed his boots with dough urine and was walking in trying to get to his stand, and a buck caught that scent and cut him off, and it was he just kind of stood there and he said it was like worse than being face to face with you know coyotes is what he said was having a good shooter buck staring you down thinking that you're a female deer (laughs) well that's awkward (laughs) (laughs) so yeah he says don't do that so i don't i don't do that anymore that's funny that's funny and then the other the other component here of the you know in addition to the the sponge aspect was just kind of to keep moving forward and, and keep rolling with stuff and you know you're you're younger than us by a bit i think by my at least 10 years by me i'm 36 you said you're 27 so nine years whatever um you know that 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 keep moving forward that that is a good mentality you're gonna have ebbs and flows you're gonna have good years bad years good seasons bad seasons highs and lows like maybe incredibly good or terribly bad 
for for whatever reasons. Like, like Greg, last year you had, a, you had a hernia. Like that that impacted a little bit of what you could do. That was you were like not happy about it, but it is what it is. You made look, the best of it. Now this year we're probably in better shape to do a hunt. You know, um, yeah. and you still got to dump. Well, man, those are no joke. Yeah, it wasn't a lot of fun, but I, I got it taken care of, and uh, now we're on the road to doing better things, hopefully. No, that's awesome. Talk about um, that. Like, is that, is that from the business side, the hunting side, the life side, probably all sides is the answer, but I'm, I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, the the keep moving forward, that's, that's kind of a mantra that I've had for – years now and i use it in uh life i use it in business i use it you know with relationships and communication i use it with hunting you know it's it's the whole idea behind no matter what happens there's always something that i can do to better myself to grow from something to you know do something today that the future me will be proud of. And the culmination of that, you know, is <clears throat> not really, or I think culmination is the wrong word, but the, the gist of that is just that even in a terrible situation, right? Um, you get into a stand and you think you've got it dialed and your number one target buck walks in the complete wrong way and busts you and takes off. You know what? That, that sucks. And that gets you down and your heart sinks and you're like, what am I doing wrong? And a lot of people get caught up in, I got busted. Not, I feel like not enough people focus on the, well, this buck came from this direction. That's another piece to the puzzle. Because, I, I mean, I don't know about your guys' experience, but in my experience, I've found that one bust will not cause that deer to run 20, 30 miles the opposite direction. You know, you definitely have to be way more careful moving forward trying to hunt a certain deer or trying to hunt a certain property. But now you have that piece of the puzzle that is hopefully going to help you connect later on. Yeah, I think we've got a couple guests on that have talked about that in the past. Uh, Zach Fehrenbaugh with um, the Hunting Public had, you know, used a pretty good early season uh, anecdote of that where he sent bumped a buck, where it's like a really subtle nudge of letting your scent carry through enough that that deer gets wind of it, leaves, but then he got eyes on confirmation that yep, there was a buck there. So then he went back the next day and killed it because it wasn't so intrusive that that buck's like I got to get the hell out of dodge. It was like eh, I don't like what I'm smelling. I'm going to leave for a little bit and come back later. And uh, he, he talked about the success story he had with that. And you know, that was some of the first times I was hearing about scent bumping a deer and using that as a way to like get confirmation on things because those guys are hunting so many public properties. Um, they got to be able to get eyes on deer to know if it's going to be a good use of their time. Um, yeah. Is that going to work for everybody? I don't know. Probably not. Uh, can it be something you can try out? Sure. Why, why the hell not? You know, I think, I don't know, at some point, I think it was with you or maybe it was with my cousin when I went and we were trying to do that tactic a little bit and just be like, let's let our scent carry over and see what happens here. And if you, if you, if you have it positioned well enough too, you, if you have like two people in your party, you can try to like play that out a little bit differently too. If it's just yourself. 
well, most of the deer drives, I would get together with a group during gun season. Um, that's a lot of the ways we would approach an area was wind bump it rather than hoot and wind bump. Thank you. Yeah. I'm saying yep. scent bump, but yeah, the same thing. You're letting your scent carry through and it should get a deer up. They're on alert, but they're not hauling ass out of there. They're trotting out of there trying to find their way away from that scent trail. Yeah. If you, if you're like trudging through and breaking every branch, bush and twig along the way and making a lot of hoopla, those deer are going to get up and they're running for their freaking life. Yeah, they're running out early. That's going to be, if you're doing a deer drive, that's going to be hard to shoot at and, you know, it could be kind of uh, dangerous in some cases. So I think the whole wind bump idea is interesting, especially for just getting eyes on. But again, these are, these are tactics that you start to learn after you've been doing it for a while. And that might not be one that you're even ready to explore yet. The big one for me, other than wind, was like water and just, I was being a bit of a Nancy and I, cause I didn't know I didn't like at one point I just decided I got to a peninsula. I wanted to get to another spot and I just hiked right to the marsh. <laughs> and that was a, that was a really uh great moment for me. Like metaphorically and quite literally, I felt like I was crossing a threshold and uh, the area that I ended up getting to, I, I saw cluster, like clusters of, of rubs. Was that, is that called something? Didn't we discover this when we were scouting? Uh, Wait, is there a name for it? I thought maybe I could be completely wrong, but like a cluster of rubs were like, there were just, there's so many, like it would indicate that, Oh, this is a buck bed and there's just rubs freaking every tree is rubbed oh, up. Yeah, it's a rub line, a rub line, but it wasn't a rub line. It was like different than that. It was like a, a I, I guess I would call it a cluster. Um, it could have been a rub line too, I suppose. But nonetheless, I, I was like, I had never seen anything like that before. And I did it on my own that was a big thing. There was no one else out there with me. I wasn't getting taught. I was learning from my own experience, seeing this stuff. And I was like, Holy shit. I could actually, I could actually have a go with this. Like if, if these bucks were around, like I, I could actually kill one, you know? And then I took it up to another level and I brought, I started bringing my waders. I started bringing my canoe. I started exploring new stuff. And, and that exploration, that adventure seeking, that uncharted territory kind of perspective, um, that was exciting for me, honestly. Cause then you're, you're cacking it. Cracking open a new can of worms. Dude, that's that's one of the coolest, like, I don't, I mean, I'm sure it's been around forever, but it, it seems like it's just now getting kind of the spotlight put on it. But seeing people hunting with these kayaks and you got to get to a different part and using, you know, hip waders and chest waders to get into this area that they're trying to find these deer. That is, it's so cool to me to see how they're going in, why they're going in this way, why they're using a canoe or a kayak and so on and so forth. Um, there's a lot of the guys out in uh, Pennsylvania and then also um, Maryland, the, nope, that's the wrong way, that way, the Sika deer behind me, that was actually, uh, <laughs> that was actually uh, a Maryland deer. And I've been watching a lot of, uh, what's their YouTube? in the presence, in the presence hunting, um, they, they do a ton of boat kayak canoe hunting and seem to be having really good success. It's almost like the water is just this giant blanket that covers you basically. And so it's been really, really cool to see how that's taken off in the next or in the couple of years. Yeah. Travel corridors, by way of water, it, you know, covers your, like, so last year, you know, I, I hiked up a, a creek or whatever, 
I don't know. I don't, I could measure the distance, I suppose, but it felt like a long time. It could have been two miles or three. It felt like five. Maybe that's accurate. Maybe it's not. Someday I'll find the answer to that. Um, Surprisingly, it was only a mile and a half. <laughs> but that was it. It, it covered our, the cover. And actually, it was funny because, like, the one thing we learned when we were doing the Huntland podcast a, a number of years ago, um, that was uh, we were talking about oxbows. And well, what the hell is an oxbow? It's the Ben and River. Well, do deer oh, bed you're there? Mention a hot button topic. Someone's going to be up our ass with a microscope. Yeah. You know, but we talked about it then. And uh, you know, lo and behold, I go down this creek, and not even two oxbows in, a doe pops up, and she was bedded right there. And I wasn't—I I would have shot a doe happily, but she just—it you know, didn't, it didn't happen. I wasn't like frosty enough. I wasn't on my toes enough. To, I didn't expect that that soon. And I was like. Well, by gosh, this could this could actually work. So then, from there on forward, I was you know uh, as quiet. Uh, you couldn't hear me. I was very very quiet the whole way up, and I was taking my steps really really slow, um, really calculated, making sure things were there. Thinking that ever on every bend, I was going to maybe see a buck in a bed in an oxbow. Uh, it didn't work out that way, uh, but you know it could have, and I could have shot a deer from standing in the water. Um, trying to really play that out. So like send control, visualization, sound control, it was a totally different game. Again, trying new stuff, mixing it up, getting creative with different things and, and trying to see what could work for me. Um, that could be all again, bad. If I got into a weird area where maybe the water was you know, shoulder deep, that could be weird. Um, you might have to get out and walk the land for a little bit or something, but nonetheless, you, you know, you try and you learn and you try and you learn, you try and you learn and you keep moving forward. Well, I mean, I was going to say, that's the whole thing behind, you know, all of us, you know, you guys having me on and I'm super blessed that you guys wanted to even chat with me, but you know, the whole aspect of we're always learning, like there, at, at no point do I ever see myself ever saying, you know what? I got a dial. I know it all. Like, I, I almost feel like that's almost a hindrance because then you're limiting what you can what you can learn moving forward, basically, there might be new tips, tricks, and tactics that come up, uh, you know, five years from now that might be crucial to hunting success. But if you're closed off to it and you're not open to learning new things, you're going to completely miss that boat. Yeah. And I got to hope most people have that mentality and, and we can always, Greg always says a nice serving, a humble pie. I'll keep you in the game. And it, Boy, oh boy, Greg, are you right? As it'll, soon as you get that confidence, yeah, something's going to knock you on your ass. Yep, it always does. I was going to say, unfortunately, my my humble pie was um, 2020. I I've been I tell everyone I come into contact with, 2020 was the best season that I never had. Basically, we had on on one property. Okay, there actually we just checked it a couple of days ago. Um, on one property, 178 acres. Okay. There was five shooters over. We're guesstimating and I've got pictures. I, I'll send it to you, Greg. I've got pictures. We've got, we had five shooters all over 150 and could not connect on a single one throughout 2020. And so, yeah, it was, it was, you know, the best season that never happened. I call that the red zone, man. You can get in the red zone and, and that, that just gets harder. Mm. It's hard no, to get there. Right. Once you're there. It's like the field shrinks and it's really freaking difficult. I don't have a better uh, term and, for it. I mean, I've, I've had that happen too almost every year now for the probably since 2019, 2020, 
get out and put my my scouting in and set cameras and try to find a deer or two find more than a deer or two try to make a plan on it get close to one totally screw it up get i had two chances at the one particular deer uh twice in 2022 once in 2021 i don't even know if i would call that a chance but it was just a little too late in the evening to to make a make a shot on it but it happens you just keep moving forward like you said hey that's the that's the there's a reason that's my mantra because of the fact that even in crappy crummy situations there's always something to be learned from it um you know one of fortunately as crazy as it sounds fortunately one of those deer uh in 2020 we dubbed him scary movie and he was a shooter then um he evaded us last year too and he is at the top of our hit list this coming year so maybe there was a reason we didn't get a shot at him i say we as in my brother myself and my cousin um maybe there's a reason we didn't get a shot at him in 2020 who knows what he's gonna look like in 2022 you know and hopefully we'll be able to connect with him uh fortunately i got a little bit more mobile this coming year a little a lot more mobile this coming year and uh i've actually got a camera on a couple of paths right now just kind of soaking letting it sit for the summer but i believe it's the same hillside that he beds on which if this camera uh shows that to be true it's game on come opening day in september for ohio are you relying solely on just the camera to give you that intel uh so i've done uh i've done a couple of shed missions throughout there um i've got some mineral out in a couple of different places those all have cameras on them as well um but you know the this area this hillside that we're talking about it's notorious for you know we're in a stand down by the river this hillside is up by the road and it's notorious for, you know, you kind of, we all get in those days when you're in, um, when you're in the stand, right? You're looking at the twig or the wind's blowing this leaf weird, or we just zone out. It's a notorious area where you look up and all of a sudden he's just standing there and not sure where he came from, not sure how he got there, but he's just there. And he's always sitting at the base of this hillside and the only thing I can think of is that he's using the hillside, which is covered in trees, right? So I hunt. Um, it's usually a farm field. My property is set aside, uh, just tall CRP grass and then um, ag. So it's a lot of like cross paths, basically. And, you know, I'm convinced that he's using that uh, those trees to his advantage, and coming down through and dropping into that CRP. And that's why we don't really see him out and about walking around. And then he's just kind of there. Um, is that well, a leeward, is that the leeward side of the hill then? Um, For the predominant wind in the area? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and you can see down into that CRP from the hill? Yes. Yep. Well, that's where he's bedded. 
that well um we're uh, this is year uh three or four chasing this deer but the hard part is i don't have permission on the the ag sides and so i can't i've asked to shed hunt i've asked to uh you know i've asked to bow hunt um you know and they just they want nothing to do with it around the area and on multiple occasions he's dropped in just like how we were talking about and i am 100 percent convinced he is betting on this hillside right behind the neighbor's house you know i I don't know about you guys, but I feel like deer know where their quote unquote safe spaces are and big deer will hug those as much as possible. Tell that neighbor lets their dog out and he wanders that part of the woods and then that. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's interesting. Yep. We've had uh, Bill with Spartan Forge on a couple of times and, you know, we, we kind of ask them for like, what are the myth busters that the data has informed you because they have millions of data points so they can see in one of some of the things he talked about at some point was like, you know, some of these bucks don't even participate in the rut or they occupy this hillside. They never leave it. Or it's such a small area that these tracking collars where they've tracked these zero over several seasons, this is what they do, you know, and they can see when they move or when they don't and all that stuff. And it's almost like a blind spot where they sit sometimes where they know kind of like you said, they're, they're safe. So there's a blind spot of they're just in the, in the area where you're not going to see them or they're not going to be caught or they're not going to be out breeding does until, you know, they know it's safe. Well, and two with the, crazy with the onslaught of everybody, you know, knows to go deeper now. It's an overlooked spot in some cases too. Yeah. There's that. Yeah. People are like, ah, I'm not going to interest myself on that. You've experienced right here. that. I mean, yeah, look, look, yeah, absolutely. Put you right on one, the one you shot over the one year and mm-hmm. it was, it was an overlooked spot that nobody would ever think to hunt there. Yep. Well, yeah. And happened. He came out right before the sun going down, and the last last light kind of moment. I was like, "Okay, I'm about to get down soon. Nothing's happening." All of a sudden, I look. I'm like, "Oh, oh shit! There's a deer. Oh, it's a buck. It's a good buck. Oh, he's coming my way. I have an opportunity." You know, I missed. Um, so. <laughs> um, no, yeah. I mean, two points with that. First, I actually don't have a uh, Spartan Forge subscription, but chatted with Bill, uh, chatted with the Seek One guys. Now talking with you guys. Um, the Lambda map where you can change the date and see what the leaves are doing on the trees and what the area looks like on November 7th, as opposed to May 31st, like that's absolutely incredible. So that like that aspect of the e-scouting community, that's huge. Um, when I hunted PA last year with those guys, uh, Johnny Johnny Stewart like literally showed me precisely which tree to hunt out of, and I could see it on the map. I could see it on Spartan Forge. He's like, "This is this is the tree. This, yeah, this is the one." And I got to there, and I was like, "That this is the tree. He, this is the one." It was crazy, <laughs> dude. It, it's nuts because you know when it's May, June, July, everything is covered with leaves. You get to November, there might be a thirty-yard funnel where it's just complete open pasture, but because the branches of the overhanging trees cover it during the summer, you would never see it. So yeah, that, that single feature is insane to me. Um, and then the other aspect in terms of, you know, we were talking about go deeper, go deeper, um, Alabama, dude, I got a, I got a real, real quick, uh, what were we talking? Humble pie, as you guys were saying earlier, 
um, we got to this piece of public land and we got uh, walk on access to walk through a yard to be able to get to this specific public land. And we're trying to push and we can see where the state had a food plot and we were just pushing further, further, further. And it wasn't until day three that we realized that most people don't have walk on access. They're accessing this property by boat and kayak. So we were actually playing the entire property backwards. Most of the deer, including the two target bucks that we finally found and caught up with, were sitting right behind people's houses because that was the furthest from the water. And so it, it's funny, the, the whole, you got to get in there, you got to go super deep mentality um, and seeing how that plays out in real life scenarios. Deer are the best at pulling an audible. <laughs> you ain't lying. They got, they got real time information right there on the ground and they can figure it out and interpret it with their nose. It's, it's crazy, dude. Like, I don't know. There's no more original thoughts left in the world. I don't think, uh, or very few, if any, and to that same point, like anything you're thinking you're going to do, that's the most badass or most unique thing. Someone, someone is doing that even where you're considering doing that. That's probably happening. And that's not bad. That's fine. That, you know, it doesn't mean that person's accessing at the same, you know, time of the season, same time of day, same time of year, whatever as you are. And if they are, then, you know, maybe some confirmation and kudos for you for like thinking of some really good shit. But that's not to say that that's working for that person either. Just because you see another stand, you know, Cody DeQuisto talked about this when we had him on uh, a while back where he said, look, just because I see another stand or two doesn't mean I shouldn't hunt there. It, maybe it means I should. And maybe I'll just think about it a little bit differently, or maybe they're not there right now. And right now is the time that that deer is going to be there because maybe he has different Intel. You know, certain things aren't always inherently bad or good. It's just a matter of what's going on in the moment. And just because you saw a deer at this place this one year and this other year, doesn't mean they're going to be there this next year because the crops may have changed or, mm-hmm. you know, the, the acorns aren't dropping. You have to look at a holistic picture, really zoom out a bunch before you start to consider things like that. And I'll be the first to admit, I'm all about, I saw a big deer here once, guess where I'm going again? Because right. it's going to be a matter of time before that happens to me again. You know, but that was before I ever considered all those other factors. In fact, when I, where I gun hunt, the, the, the reason I hunted the spot I hunted for so many years is because I saw a big deer there and I killed deer there. And now it's just kind of like, well, that's the spot that I go to. Um, that's not the spot where I found the shed that's on my coffee bar. That's not the spot where we saw those giant rubs. Right. You know, so... As you gain more intel, you kind of have to push yourself out of your comfort zone to act on it. Sometimes people see this intel and they don't know what to do with it. Well, that's all great, but that means there's one in the area. So I'll still sit in this other spot that I know, you know. Um, and that's that's okay too. Again, whatever whatever kind of floats your boat, you know, it's it's fine. But if you have different goals and you got to do different things. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%, especially on the fact that there are no – or no original thoughts, you know, whatever you're thinking about doing that's been done before, which a lot of people are like, a lot of people will get, you know, up in arms about it. Like, what do you mean? This is a great idea. This is my idea. And in reality, you know, maybe so-and-so 10 years ago or five years ago or last year did this same thing and ended up shooting a, you know, 170, 180, just complete freaking stud maybe you should take a page out of his book and do things the way that he's doing it. You know, 
Or you get a piece of property like what he's got with that kind of quality of deer that they've got. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, people, you know, you and I sitting here talking about how there's no, quote unquote, no original thoughts anymore. That We're not saying that in a negative manner. We're, I mean, hunting has been around for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, people have had success year in and year out. That's the whole concept behind be a sponge, behind keep moving forward. It's always learning, always progressing. You know, follow if you want to hunt exactly how uh, Chris B hunts then you should probably watch and, and imitate and emulate what he's doing. Obviously find your own property to go and practice that on. But, you know, a lot of people are upset at the YouTube era of hunting, the, you know, the social media era of hunting. But in reality, that's giving us the most information we've ever had as hunters. Back in the day, growing up, the only way we got info as hunters was if we went and bought a DVD. Now there's people that are posting different shows and hunts and things like that all throughout the year where we can just learn 24-7-365. Yeah, no, a lot of these topics that we're talking about, like people have heard them and they've heard them a lot. There's a lot of podcasts that discuss these topics that talk to the guests that you mentioned. Um, these people run circuits. They're on shows often. It's... You know, and then people get kind of good at certain things, and that's the things that they talk about. And that's not a slam on any of that stuff. Uh, it's just to say that you know the, this knowledge is easier to come by, and people are applying it, which is great. It's exciting. There's there's good advice out yep. there, and the people that have had success with the good advice are going to keep talking about it. Yep, hundred percent. And it's great of them to to be willing to share that kind of information, whether it's to get them more sponsors or to be helpful. Maybe it's a little bit of both. And some of these guys that that maybe they know it all, maybe they need a piece of humble pie <laughs> to like kind of reset them a little bit, get them back to neutral. That they're you know they're not uh, God's gift to deer hunting or whatever. It, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's hunting. It's for for everybody. And uh, I think you're sponsored by Bear, and and their mission is to get a bow in everyone's hand. And like, there's nothing. I think that's a great mission. It's a great yeah. mission. To be able to pull it, pay it forward all the time. Yeah, listen, there, you know, there was hunters before us. There's hunters now in the present. And I got news for you. When we're long gone, there's going to be hunters after us, too. And so our me, I, I see it as our job. One, let's shoot some deer. Let's get some meat on the table, you know, put some meat in the freezer, things like that. But two, let's make sure that more and more people are getting into it. You know, you had mentioned bear and, and their mission to get a bow in everyone's hands. I love it when people come to me and they they ask me things about, you know, Hey, I'm thinking about getting into archery. I'm thinking about getting into the outdoors. What's the first step? Like that initial question is huge and being able to send them to different outlets, different resources, and just get them excited about it. I want more, you know, there's some people that say there's too many hunters now. I I understand the argument, but I want to see more and more people. I'm going to interrupt you quick. I think those are the guys that are used to having it good and doing the same thing over and over and over again and having success at it. And now somebody's throwing them a curveball, and it's messed up their whole line of success. Yeah, and to that point, like, good is relative because maybe it's really good right now. And we don't even know it. Cause if it goes away, it's going to be really bad. So even though it was like really great for you, you know, 15 years ago, 
um, it doesn't mean it could be worse uh, at some point. So again, the, the world changes. You got to change with it. Yeah. And uh, like Greg's shirt from, from Doug Duran, yeah, it's not friend. ours. It's just our turn. Yep. I talked to Doug the other day for like Wait an a hour. Second. Give, give the zoom in on Greg. Greg, let me see that shirt. There it is, Greg. <laughs> Pop up on the screen. There we go. I think you're on the, I like this that. One. There yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. No, I I agree a hundred percent. It's not it's not ours, you know. Just like all, all the um legal battles going on right now, and this is a completely separate in the weeds topic, but all the legal battles going on right now with um the public lands and being able to access and the walk-on and the fence hopping and all of that stuff like we need to preserve as much of that as we possibly can you know i want to be able to make sure that my grandchildren are able to you know go out and hunt i'm sure you guys want your kids to be able to go out and hunt yeah and we're not going to get there by you know being jackasses to one another and that's not the right example to be sending anyways so yeah it's uh we, we talk about this stuff all the time you know, it's definitely a, a theme that runs through the the vein of our of our show and the thread, the vein. I don't know. Vein sounds like pretty uh, kind of gross there. Well, I mean, correct correct me if I'm wrong, but the name kind of stems from those people that are judgmental towards others, right? Yeah, I mean, we're we're trying to pull out a string that's uh, aiming at the broader demographic of hunters. Where uh, most of us are okayest. Hunters were okay at this stuff. Um, try to take yourself too seriously. And uh, n- not to say that you can't be an expert hunter, but even those guys have their moments. And we've talked to them about it. We've had them share their moments where they uh, try to think, like, man, my brain is mush, guys, because I'm, like, still not 100% with <laughs> no, it. We, we uh, talked about it off off air, but you've had you've had a busy week, to say the least. I'm catching up here in my in my thoughts, but a number of people we've had on the show that have shared their moments of running through the woods because they were totally lost and they didn't want to admit it. So they like ran a total roundabout way and exacerbated themselves sweating, dripping wet uh, because they didn't want their friends to think they got lost. But they're like, well, that was an okayest moment. And actually that was most of the okayest moments of people getting turned around in the woods. That happens to Listen, a lot of us. I've been walking through CRP and got lost. Okay. So you get lost in that stuff when it's yeah. over your head. <laughs> Flexes are killing you. You're like stepping on these little mounds, and next thing you know, you're turned around the total opposite direction. I was I was gonna say, do it. So, do does that mean I get to share an okayest moment? Everybody is allowed to share at least let's, one. Yeah, let's hear it, man. All right. Well, so this is. I mean, my cousin that got me into hunting doesn't even know, and I'm kind of hoping he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> but so my okayest moment came in 2020. Um, that deer that we were talking about earlier, dubbed Scary Movie. Um, it was probably 10 minutes before end of shooting light. And it was a, I'll give it this. It was a cold, cold evening. Okay. One of those like temperature drops, 20 degrees in 15 minutes kind of evenings, but scary movie comes walking in from my East coming through walking like a, a two track path. And he is seven yards below me. I go to draw my bow back and can't get to the valley of the bow. And just like, no matter what I, I drew back, stopped, saw him. He had no idea what was going on. Took a big, deep breath, 
tried to draw back again, what, did one of those kind of shake motions with the arm and couldn't get it back and had to sit and watch him walk on. So that, I mean, it, what happened? It, Buck what fever? Like what, why couldn't you draw back? Was there something impeding? I, your I, the only thing I can think of is one buck fever, two, it was cold, three, maybe clothing. But I mean, there, there was, there's really no good or logical excuse as to, well, AJ, why couldn't you get your bow back? Be, I mean, you know, I'm drawing, I drew 72 pounds then. I'm drawing 72 pounds now. Uh, drew 72 pounds in 2021. Like, I, your guys' guess is as good as mine, and that is my that is my okayest moment that will haunt me until the day I die, unless like, I connect with him this year. He's like an old man with ED. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Hey, you leave those old men alone. <laughs> Jeez, you, you wonder like if it's worth. What is your poundage on your bow, Greg? It's seventy, seventy-two, whatever, whatever right. that Matthews tops out at. You got no problem pulling it back like butter. No. No, I don't. Luckily, my shoulders are still in good enough shape. Sure. Yeah, it's better than my moment of just straight up, I, I don't know. I don't think I'd want to pull missing. any more than that. I mean, I don't see a point to it. Yeah, I just feel like the more, quicker. if you start taking it to some extreme level, I don't know and if and the exchange honestly, is, is in your favor then. I know, like, when I did a lot of cold weather bow hunting, I'd run my bow down to like 65 pounds. Even that five pounds less it was so much easier to pull back, especially when you've been sitting there shivering like a dog shitting fish hooks and you're, uh, <laughs> you get a deer come up and surprise you. Then your heart starts pumping, you warm up quick, but it's just a lot nicer pulling five Smooth. pounds less. And usually when they come in, they're either, they've picked you off from a long ways away or you've actually done something right. And they're right close and in your lap anyway. So 70 pounds isn't going to make a shit bit of difference when they're right underneath you. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's kind of what I feel about it. The less now, I can now, when now when you're practicing, are you practicing at 72 and then like, you know, hunting out of state or something like that, it's middle of December or whatever. Then you drop it down to 65. How much of a recalibration do you have to do with your site and with your arrow setup and things like that to then get it working? That's a good technical question. So, I don't know if I don't want to change it because then when that no, change the so trajectory of your arrow at, the, at that point, um, I think I would shoot at seventy all summer long, and then into fall when it was warm, I got I was shooting you know seventy pounds, seventy pounds, and then I just decided that at one point in time I would drop it down in winter time just because it was easier to pull with all the clothes on it. Um, with all my clothes on yeah. so i don't i don't recall ever messing with my site because typically i would keep it 20 yards and then i wasn't okay. taking long shots i just wasn't um the areas i had that's pretty much what i had for distance anyways i could yeah. probably squeeze off a 25 yard shot and at that point the air is so crisp and things are so quiet deer are reacting pretty quick it's it's kind of tough to really want to take a shot when it's further out if i don't know everybody's comfortability level is different that was right. my thing it's like okay if it's 20 yards and then i'm going to take a shot i think the comfort thing is critical mm -hmm. you don't need to Where's do what you're seeing at? other people do you need to do what yeah. you need to do 
where wherever your confidence is at. I'm not Chris B. I'm not any any uh, big time archer. I'm I'm me, and I'm gonna do what I know I can do. And if you want to shit on me for it, go ahead. Where's your deer at? Yeah, I mean, like the, I I don't understand that. The, you know the the whole the whole cannibalizing each other. I don't I don't get it. You know they're cool. There there's people out there that are shooting animals at. 65 70 80 yards with a bow that's awesome there's also people that are you know shooting well, don't worry, those guys get shit on too i can't believe you take a shot like that yeah. like it doesn't matter what you from, do from yeah. 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 morning to someone they're and like how the hell do you know it's a good morning and hopefully most of it's yeah. more so in fun yeah than it is you know just to be a jerk yeah. and among friends i think that stuff flies pretty well All the time you know um uh, it's the people that you don't know that are not in your circle that are gonna say backhanded shit that's like come on dude you know, back off. Yeah, you it's, know it's literally the the uh, internet randos is what I call them. I just call them randos. It's people that you will never meet, you'll it's never talk to again. But by gosh, they feel important if they're able to critique whatever it is that you're doing. And it's sad that that has to weigh on anybody's mind either, because those comments do stick out and they weigh and they do weigh in, and they really shouldn't. But that's easier said than done for some. So, right. um, you know, we we just come with kindness. If, if you're running into that stuff, tag us and we'll bury them with, with positive. With oh, positive. That, that's one of my favorite things. So I, I just recently, um, for it, it was the first time from a, a hunting perspective, just recently got some, uh, hate and I take it as kind of a point of pride, but got some hate and ended up on one of the, uh, anti hunter meme pages or whatever. Yeah, and that's, that's and do what when it's out of our industry that's that's interesting anti-hunter yeah. stuff that's a whole different world man well, no, no, no. so not it's uh um it, it was a hunting meme page got it got it got it prided itself on talking hunters showcasing the bad things of hunting or whatever um but it was hilarious because i take that same approach and i'm like so, you know, they posted me for whatever, and I said, well, okay, so you posted me because of this. Why did you do that? What, what, what did you think I was doing wrong? You know, just playing, playing dumb, basically. And they said, well, it just, it, it looks weird, and if you post stupid shit, it's going to end up on my page. Word for word, that, that, that was That's their all, reason. They had no good recourse for it other than yeah. you should post yeah. something looks stupid to us and we're gonna make you famous for it yeah and i i even told him too i was like you know if you would just ask me i could give you the like 12 reasons why i'm doing what i'm doing um oh i'll i'll tell you guys it was uh you know and people can think what they want i don't care i'm gonna sleep well regardless um i'm this coming year i'm gonna run a lone wolf 0.5 stand so the smallest stand that they make with a saddle. Sure. You're going to go do what Jay Bush does that it, we've chatted before. We live 45 minutes from each other. I've seen how he operates. Um, I know how I'm going to operate. We do some tweaking and some nuances separate from each other, but I posted a do what you got to make it your own. Yeah, 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 yeah. What works for someone might be a good baseline for someone else, but it's not going to be like the finish. 
yeah, it's not going to be the finishing point. Me copying exactly what you guys do here on my Ohio property. It would be a good idea I, for the record. Yeah. If you want to not <laughs> kill deer, don't do it. <laughs> but but it, it might not be, you know, it might not be the smartest move to copy someone verbatim, word for word, whatever. Um, but the gist of it was, was that I've got a plethora of reasonings as to why I'm going to run the 0.5 actually with a latitude method too. Um, and he just, he, this individual wanted nothing to do with it. They were just like, nope, it's weird. When you post stupid shit, I'm going to repost it and my fans are going to send it to me. And I'm like, all right, sounds good. I hope I can give you more credit or more uh, content later on, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's not too far from running my stuff. For the record, I'm running a lone, a lone wolf saddle platform and I'm running a method to saddle. And, yeah. uh, and, and it works for me right now and I'm happy with it. It's, it's great. I'm comfortable. I'm can change positions as I get uncomfortable. I can readjust the saddles big. Like it's a like, or not the saddle, the, the platform's big enough. Yeah. It's the big one. I ran it with, with just a stick, the double wide stick, uh, as a quick run and go for an afternoon hunt for an all day sit. I did the morning with the platform and did the afternoon with the, the stick and it worked, but it was not comfortable. Uh, in contrast to that big platform. And so now I know. I was like, okay, if I need to get in somewhere to pinch and I don't want to carry the stuff and it's like whatever, I can be quicker and quieter and la la la. Uh, cool. But I know that I will not be very comfortable and I will be limited on my shots in contrast to running that platform. Yes. Uh, but it, it was cool to experiment and try it out. And and I just did what I did. And well, was, and once again, that's, know, a, that's, a whole, that's a whole nother thing behind the whole learning aspect. It's mm -hmm. so funny because there's some hunts, excuse me, there's some hunts that you had to work late, but you were planning on hunting. So you're, by God, you're going to get down there and you might have two hours till dark. There's other hunts that, that, yeah, there's other hunts that you've called the babysitter the night before. The babysitter's <laughs> going to be there at 4 a.m. and you're going to get out there and you're going to sit from daybreak until, or uh, dusk till dawn or what is that? Dawn till dusk. If you're sitting all day and all of those require different things, you know? And so it's so funny once again, to hear people say like, no, this, this is the end all be all. You have to hunt this way. Otherwise you don't know what you're doing. And it, it, it makes me laugh. Honestly, that's the person that owned a Chevy their whole entire life. So you have to drive a Chevy. Well, there's all you're exactly right. and, a, and a, a Nissan and a Dodge and a Ford. There's like, However many other options are there. And I don't even, maybe I don't even need a truck. Maybe I need a freaking car. You nah, know? Wait a second. I need a moped. Like, what do you know about my situation, right? But no, you need to drive this one. All right, pal. Well, you can drive yours and I'll drive mine. And maybe if I need to drive yours, like that'll work too. It really just depends. People forget that we live in a giant country and everyone's in different areas doing different things with different stuff and different perspectives and different upbringings and different everything. With freaking yeah. Freaking laser music, their freaking yeah. heads. And mind you, whitetails are in how many different states with different temperatures, with different backgrounds and different uh, ecosystems and environments and stuff like that. Someone They're hunting ultimate survivor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone yeah. hunting whitetails in Maryland is not going to be able to implement those tactics hunting whitetails in Nebraska. You know. And it's just like to hear someone be like, this is it. This is, this is the end all be all. You're not going to need to buy another 
product after this one because we've got it. And it's like, we know, we know there's going to be another product that comes out next year or another tip or another trick or another tactic. And so it's so funny to see people get caught up in, you have to do it this way. Yep. And that's depending on your goals. If, if your goals are even to, to kill a mature whitetail, maybe your goal is to build a freezer, which is kind of about where I'm at right now. I would love a mature whitetail. Of course I would. Is that Where? realistic for me? I don't know. Probably not right now. So I got to make peace with that and do what I can. I was uh, going to say, with the way things are going, I think everyone's goal should be build a freezer. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go up my freezer and uh, I'll do a video of that and we can talk about what my goals are going to be this year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, thanks for, for joining us live tonight. Where, where do we send people to find you, check out your stuff, your coffee, all the things you have going on? Uh, where do you recommend folks go? Yeah. I mean, honestly, the easiest and the most active that I'm on is Instagram, which is just the underscore coffee Viking. Um, love interacting with people, love chatting with people. Hopefully some, hopefully people got some uh, useful information out of this podcast. That's my biggest takeaway. Anytime I do any sort of podcast or anything like that, I hope it was beneficial to someone, you know? And so the underscore coffee Viking if you feel like spelling my name out on Facebook, I'm AJ Kazmerzak. Um, and, <laughs> and there may, I, I've avoided it for so long, but there might or might not be a YouTube in the works, but that's not up yet. <laughs> Those things take time, man. That's a big endeavor. So oh, man. Keep an eye out for it. No, I appreciate you guys. Seriously, what you guys do for the hunting community, man, it is it is incredible. You know, letting people know, shoot your shot, do what you got to do, you know, chase your goals. I love everything you guys stand for. Appreciate that, man. Thank thanks. You. Thanks a bunch. And it was real nice to have you on. It's uh, good to get the perspective. I think there's definitely some value that folks can get from this episode. So we're going to end the live broadcast. Folks that tuned in uh, live, thanks for the comments. Thanks for following along. And we'll see you next week. And this will be live in podcast land tonight. See ya.